Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. A uh, much better week for the Blackhawks than the previous week, so I'll kick it to Michael for a recap of the week's games. Definitely a nice bounce back week for the Blackhawks. Uh, for those of you who joined us uh, for last week's episode, um, you know it was quite clear that our frustrations had boiled over uh, a bit uh, regarding the Blackhawks' play uh, in the early part of the season. And thankfully, it seems like the same frustrations and the desire for change were uh, felt within the Blackhawks organization as well and with the coaching staff. And um, Colleton uh, stepped up and made some... uh, Uh, changes uh, in the strategy and he's kind of solidified the line combos that I, in, in, in a manner that uh, you know, in in a deployment that, that, that seems to be working a little better and it's paid off. Um, The Blackhawks played perhaps their best game of the season or at least close to it uh, last Thursday when they took on the Vancouver Canucks they jumped out to an early two-goal lead in the first period. Um, you know, I, I, I mentioned the, you know, the line combos, uh, the reunification of the Dylan Strom line with Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinket uh, paid off in a big way. Uh, DeBrinket scored his fifth goal uh, to give the, the Hawks the one on lead. And then the the second goal was actually show, scored by Andrew Shaw on the power play, but it, it came off of you know a nice uh, tic tac toe passing from uh, Dylan Strom and Patrick Kane, and so you know that that was a nice breakthrough for the Hawks. They seem to be um, gaining a little bit more confidence in their power play. We've seen a, a few less disasters and you know, a bit more um, precision uh, as far as uh, the passing. And that came through later in the game where Kane scored, um, again, assisted by Strom, uh, along with uh, Duncan Keith, that put the Blackhawks up three to one, kind of late in the the, uh, third period. And they were able to ride it out. They got a couple of empty net goals, um, you know, near the end. Ended up taking the game five to two. It was a great game from Corey Crawford, who, you know, was kind of a, uh, you know, a, a bit of a bounce back for him. He he struggled a little bit in his previous outings, um, but it was, you know, just a, a solid all around performance and. You know, a big change in the way that the Blackhawks were were able to break out of their defensive zone uh, with possession of the puck and with a little bit more speed heading into the neutral zone. And that allowed them to, um, you know, carry the puck over the opposing blue line and, you know, establish better possession in the offensive zone. It it seems like Colleton has kind of taken the cuffs off a little bit as far as the defensive zone positioning, they're, they're uh, giving the forwards a little bit more freedom 
in the breakout once they get uh, once the defensemen you know get possession of the puck down low, they, they have a few more options available to them, you know, as far as passing options, so that the Hawks can keep control heading out of the zone rather than just chipping everything out into the neutral zone and having to reestablish possession out there. So, you know, just a, a, a real nice start to the three-game set that they were playing. Uh, a couple of nights later, they went out to Pittsburgh and played a, a, a good first period. It was I felt like it was something where the, the Hawks certainly could have been up in the first period, but, um, you know, some good goaltending on the opposite side. And you, you, you kind of got the sense that, you know, the, the Blackhawks, that, that, that the, eventually the Penguins were going to be able to take advantage of that, that even if the Blackhawks were able to get up, it might not be enough because, you know, just kind of eventually the Penguins were going to, you know, they were going to respond. Uh, but the, the, the Hawks did, uh, to their credit, they did end up scoring two goals in the second period, Dominic Kubelik, and then uh, Patrick Kane scored his sixth to put him up two to nothing. And, you know, you thought maybe the, the Hawks would be able to ride it out, but um, Jake Gensel scored uh, late in the second, and then the Penguins managed to tie it up midway through the third. It was a, you know, a back-to-back start for Corey Crawford, but this was you know, certainly not uh, anything that can be blamed on him. He played well. Um, and you know, the, the Blackhawks as a whole, um, you know, it was a, you know, a solid performance against a good team. Uh, the, the, the Penguins didn't come in playing their best hockey, certainly, but you know, they're a very talented group. Um, and the, you know, there's going to be times where, you know, when you're playing the good competition, the Blackhawks aren't always going to stack up, but it, this was the type of game where they showed up, they competed, they didn't just roll over, and, you know, they they made the Penguins work for it, and eventually the Penguins did uh, overcome them in the shootout, but, you know, still, it was a solid road performance, and, you know, when you can head in, uh, you know, come out, come away from a, a game like that with a, a, a point against a solid team on the road, you know, you, you still feel pretty good about it. And, you know, then they were able to, to turn around quickly. They came back to Chicago the following day on Sunday, took on a tough Maple Leafs team. Again, another team that probably isn't playing up to the level expected of them. But the Blackhawks really took it to them in the first period. They came out flying. Um, probably the, the the most confidence I've seen them play with, um, you know, in the in the defensive zone breakouts. And you know, they they really we we saw a lot more um, controlled rushes through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone than, than we've seen in a long time. It was, you know, a, a, a huge turnaround from what we'd seen the previous two weeks. And Patrick Kane scored his seventh again with Strom getting a assist along with Alex DeBrinkett. Then Kirby Doc buried a, a rebound for his second career goal. Then Kane scored yet again 
getting his eighth his eighth goal. Uh, once again, Stroman to bring it on the assists. The Maple Leafs were able to get uh, a goal kind of late in the first, but the the Hawks responded right away with Jonathan Taves uh, registering a power play goal from with Debrinket and Kane on the assists, and you know that was that was a huge response for the Hawks and. It, it wasn't just the goal by Taves. One of the things that I thought really established um, the energy that the Hawks were going to play with in the game was early on, uh, Brandon Saad uh, took a, a, a pretty violent hit. It was a, it, it, I, it was a borderline hit. Uh, you know, Certainly it didn't draw a penalty or anything, but Jonathan Taves immediately responded, um, got into a bit of a scrap with Jake Muzzin, who had uh, laid the hit. And, you know, when your captain steps up to protect one of his guys, you know, that that generally gets the team riled up. And, you know, we, we saw that throughout the first period, you know, and the, and the Blackhawks ended up coming out of it with a, a 4-1 advantage. And a lot of the position was in, in their favor, the second period started to slant a little bit more towards the Maple Leafs, which, you know, not not a big surprise when you when your team has a uh, uh, has a big lead. You know, the other team has to start taking some chances, and the Maple Leafs are a very skilled offensive team. Uh, but the, the the Hawks were able to weather that storm in the second, and that and, and that was big because you kind of knew heading into the third, the Leafs were gonna, you know keep coming, you know, especially with the Hawks playing on back, you know, this is the back end of a back, back to back third game in four days. You knew that they were going to be on their heels a little bit and the Leafs kept coming and they, they ended up firing 57 shots on goal against Robin Leonard. But the, the Hawks defense did a really solid job of keeping them to the outside there wasn't a lot of, you know, high danger chances against, and it ended up being just enough. Um, the Maple Leafs, you know, did narrow the score to four to three, um, with like I think it was like eight minutes to play, but Brandon Saad, uh, on an assist from Taves and Kajula, managed to, uh, you know, give the Hawks back a two goal lead. And they needed it because in the final minute, the, the Leafs did manage to score a power play goal. But, hey, Leonard stood up, and the, the Hawks were able to, to hold on. And, you know, you, you look at the the end-of-game stats and the possession numbers, um, you know, a lot of it favored the Leafs. Uh, but he, he, if you take a little closer look at the game, when it was close, the Blackhawks you know, handled handled their business in the first, built up the big lead, and then, you know, were able to ride it out. And, you know, it, you, you never feel great about a game where you give up 57 shots. Uh, you know, I think it was like the third most shots the Hawks had ever given up in a in a regulation game. But like I said, it it the, the Leafs didn't have Despite the, 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 the quantity, they didn't have nearly the, the quality um, 
attempts that we've often seen the the Blackhawks give up. And so you get the sense that the Hawks are starting to, to tighten it up maybe a little bit defensively. And we're starting to see some answers with the, the D zone breakouts where, you know, we're, we're, we're getting a little bit more offense generated. You know, I think those skill guys have had the leash taken off a little bit and, you know, we're starting to see the positive signs. We're starting to see, you know, it was a little more equivalent to what we saw last year when they were playing their best, where, you know, that top six was really flying around and, Outgun you know, your opponents, type of thing. Yeah, right? yeah, but the, I I do think there was a slight difference in that we didn't get we, you know like I said there wasn't a lot of high quality chances for the Leafs we didn't see the same number of odd man rushes and breakaways and stuff that you would often see the the, the Blackhawks give up last year you know it was a very you know risky. Um, attack that the Blackhawks had last year and they didn't have the defensemen capable of, you know, withstanding, um, you know, all the turnovers that the, those skill guys were making. Um, but I, I think we saw in these last couple of games that, you know, they, they might be able to, to, to play that, that style a little, a little more this year where we can still be aggressive offensively, but Calvin DeHaan's playing well. Um, I, I think that's been a big thing. Duncan Keith has been much better over the last couple of weeks than um, he had been playing. Eric Gustafson, since his uh, benching, uh, has come back and been far more aggressive um, offensively. He's, you know, he still doesn't have his first goal. Uh, I don't think he uh, figured in any of the scoring the, these past three games, but. He was far more visible uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a good way. Although he did have a couple of uh, tough moments in the, in the Leafs game. Uh, he did um, commit a late penalty, and I, you know, I think I remember one pretty bad turnover from him. But still, you know, positive signs from him. He, look, he looks better. He looks yeah, more like yeah. last year's version. He just looks way more confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's seen those first few weeks where he was just really fighting the puck and seemed to be playing scared of committing turnovers and getting too aggressive. But you know, it wasn't just Gustaf- Gustafson as well. You saw the Blackhawks defensemen really jumping into plays, um, and not just when they have possession established in the offensive zone. Once that puck gets up to a forward. And the Blackhawks are, you know, those forwards are gaining speed through the neutral zone. One of the Hawks defensemen is jumping up and getting right in there. And, you know, they're they're attacking the opposing blue line with four guys as opposed to, you know, the one or two that they've been managing in previous outings. Which, and, by the know, way, that was, that was forcing way, a lot of the dump and chase. Yeah, but which, by the way, is what they did a lot last year down the stretch. They were yes. a lot more aggressive down the stretch last year. Right, so. right, and you know, and that 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 led to a lot of the the breakaways and the two on ones and stuff because you know they'd have those four guys attacking, and if somebody would commit a turnover, you know that you know you, you start getting two on ones, three on twos, and stuff coming back the other way. Um, but so far, at least in these last three games, they've managed to limit that. You know, I, I think they're playing a little 
it was it was kind of a nice combination. They were still attacking the opposing blue line with speed, trying to gain possession, but they weren't being reckless with it. You know, when you know the Leafs or whoever closed off those opportunities, the the, the Hawks were still willing to to dump the puck in, and you know, and play you know, and, and play a dump and chase game when needed to, and and, and that's the line that they got to walk. And at least in these past three games, they did, and so. You know, that's that's the positives that I'm taking away from it. And, you know, Colleton admitted, to, you know, he, he, he didn't he didn't stick with a system that wasn't working. He um, made some changes. Um, I don't want to go into the details necessarily, mm-hmm. but I did read some of the stuff uh, that he came out with uh, um, in some interviews this week where, you know, he did admit to to. Uh, you know some some changes to the uh, de- defensive zone coverage, especially with the the wingers, and uh, you know it's he's allowing them a little bit more freedom, and I you know I think it's made a big difference, and hopefully we can see the Blackhawks take off um, in the coming weeks the way you know they were able to do so at at times last year. So we'll see. Yep, and yeah, I pretty much agree with you. I I thought the. Canucks game was their best game of the recent stretch of games. I really thought that was good. And, you know, the Penguins and Maple Leafs might not be, you know, the best defensive teams, but those are two very good offensive teams. So to get and three the out of were able to outscore. Yeah, to get three out of four. Well, yeah. yeah, get three out of four points in those two games is big. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean they played three solid teams, three teams in playoff positioning right now. And, you know, the Hawks took five out of six points. You can't ask for better than that. And they're going to need some stretches like that to to get back into things after kind of digging themselves a little bit of a hole in the early going. You're going to need good road performances, and you're going to need to steal some points. And, you know, hey, at least in these first three games since the changes have been put in place, can't ask for more. And there's another pretty encouraging thing that I read about today, which is uh, Connor Murphy is now traveling with the team so he can participate in practice. So it sounds like he's pretty close to coming back. Yeah, yeah. My, my guess is they're – I'm trying to think. I I don't think he's even eligible for the next game, but I think at one of the games over the weekend he would be eligible to come off of long-term injury. So, yeah, that that's probably what they're targeting. So the question is then – it, I mean, they're, Boquist, you think, would stay up for, I mean, that's what you're thinking, but when Murphy comes back, who is the odd man out? Would it I, I be? think it actually is Boquist. Okay. Um, you know, Seabrook has responded a bit to his benching. Um, it, 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 I'm not going to say he's playing well, but he has not been the turnover machine and... It, we haven't seen the the number of defensive zone breakdowns. Yeah. I think they're going to give him a chance to kind of turn his season around, just like you know they are giving the entire team a chance. So I, I don't see them benching Seabrook at any time in the near future. And if that's going to be the case, uh, you know, uh, in, in coupled with Gustafson's turnaround, um, had. One or both of those guys still been struggling. I think you could have seen Boquist stay up, but with those three right side defensemen, 
well, those two right side defensemen and, you know, then Murphy coming back, I, I, I don't see room for Boquist and I don't think they want him in and out of the lineup. I think they'd rather have him down in Rockford. So, um, with Gustafson kind of, you know, reestablishing some offensive game, you know, that means that there's going to be less, um, power play time available as well. So I, I think it'll be um, Boquist that goes down. Okay. And yeah, like you were saying, Seabrook is, uh, well, there other than one shift against the Penguins where he had two turnovers in 20 seconds. Yeah. But the rest yeah, of the I time mean, was good. You're still seeing it, but yeah. it, it hasn't been nearly... Yes, it's not been as noticeable, yes. Yeah. But yeah. there's still going to be times where he messes up, but yeah, you're probably right that you'd be better for Boquist to get that consistent playing time. And Yeah, and you know, there were a couple of games where he struggled. Uh, you know, there's, there's not really any way to get around it. He did have some games where... He was very noticeable. Was driving play. He's you know one of those guys that's capable of being that fourth that fourth guy coming up. Um, but you know we're we're not seeing you know the same consistency um, as you'd, you'd like to see. And like I said, with the power play starting to show a little bit of improvement and Gustafson's play improving, I, I don't. I don't see the, the the path to the type of ice time that you would want Bookwist to have. So, I think you you give the you know the six veterans that you came into the season with a chance to reestablish themselves and try and you know get on you know the same page. You know, I, I think we've seen the end of the the, the Mata Seabrook pairing uh, that obviously was a, a disaster mm-hmm. early in the year, and I. I it seems like Dehan is playing well enough, and the the, the combo of Dehan and Seabrook, I, I I think has 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 been fine. It you know not not perfect, um, and Dehan's certainly doing a little bit more of the heavy lifting on that line. But you know it's something that they've they found that seems to have worked. So yeah, but it, it is well it will be a big. Uh, deal when Murphy's back in there because he's yeah. other than I would say Keith he's their most reliable defenseman so right and I, I'm actually kind of curious to see who they pair him up with when they comes back because him and Keith had you know kind of a good thing going before Murphy went down but uh, Gustafson got reunited with with Keith these last couple of games and it, like I said, it didn't go quite as well in the Toronto game. Gustafson struggled a little bit, but in the previous two games, those two were playing really well together, and Gustafson was driving a lot of possession. And so, you know, that was the pairing that they, they entered the year with. They had some success last year as well, so I, I, I'm curious to see what, what Colleton chooses to do. Yeah, because you'd think the other option, I guess, would be um, you have Keith and Murphy and then Gustafson and Mata, would you say, or would that be? Yeah, I, I would say that that's, and you know, honestly, that's probably their their best deployment. Um, you know, the the Keith Murphy pairing um, is definitely the more reliable one, um, where you feel like you're going to give up a few less chances, and you can you can shelter the Mata Gustafson pairing a little bit more. Um, but a lot of that relies on Seabrook you know, 
maintaining, you know, a a decent level of play yeah. with the with the Dehan pairing. That's going to be the key. If they can keep those two together and they don't get caved, um, that that opens up a lot of a, a lot of avenues for them. Because yeah. other than Dehan, we have not seen Seabrook be able to work with anyone else successfully. There there just there isn't a. a a good match for him because if he plays with Keith, he's going to have to play against the other team's best, and that ain't going to work. We know Seabrook can't do that anymore, and Gustafson's not reliable enough with no. him. You, you know, you end up with two turnover machines on the same grouping. Mata's too slow, um, and so you know that really just leaves you with Dehan. And so, you know, as long as that pairing works, I I, I think the Blackhawks defensive core can kind of fall into place. But. And honestly, if it doesn't work, it might be time for Seabrook to sit some games. But Right, yeah. I, I, that's That'll be the, you know, the turning point, is if, if that pairing ends up going downhill over the next few weeks, that's when I think you need to re-examine, you know, where you're at with Seabrook. Because, you know, like I said, nothing else has worked with him. This is the first... Um, you know, the first pairing that they found that kind of makes any sense and seems to be, you know, working, <laughs> you know, I, it, it, and I just, I don't see anything else. I don't see that they have any other choice. So yeah. Very curious. Yes. I'll just, one more thing I'll add and then we'll get to the preview is uh, Patrick Kane seems to have found some life which was yes. much needed by the Blackhawks. But it's, as it looks like the past couple games, he's got his scoring touchback. Yeah, well, and I think that comes right back to the Hawks' ability to break out of their defensive zone, um, you know, with control of the puck. Kane's not a guy where if you chip the puck out to the neutral zone, he's going to go out and get it. Um, he needs to have the puck on his stick coming out, and he's the guy that's going to, get you through the neutral zone and establish possession in that offensive zone. Um, you know, and, and that line needs that because that's not a skill that Dylan Strom possesses. He's not a guy that's going to get you through the neutral zone. He makes the quick passes. He's very smart in the offensive zone, sees the ice really well, but he cannot be your primary puck, puck carrier. He's, he's, He's kind of the secondary guy. He's a distributor, and he is capable of scoring goals, although he's he's kind of gotten a little bit – it's working right now, and I'm not going to complain, but he's definitely passing up some shooting opportunities and overpassing at times. But right now it's working. So um, I, I do think eventually he's going to have to start pulling the trigger a little bit more. Otherwise, guys are going to back off of him and play passing lanes. But, um, you know – they really need Kane to be the driver on that line. And for Kane to be the driver, you have to put him in the position where those defensemen are feeding him good passes coming out of the defensive zone. And at least in the last three games, we're seeing that. And I think that's played a huge role in Kane's breakout. Yep. So I guess we'll go to the preview now. And this is a busy stretch of games. The Blackhawks are going to play four games before we do our next episode. Um, and two on the road, two at home, so it's 
even distribution. Um, they start out uh, tomorrow night. We're recording this on Tuesday. In Vegas against the Golden Knights at um, 9 p.m. Central, so it's a late game. And Vegas is good. Obviously, the you know, they're one of those teams that always plays well against the uh, Blackhawks. In fact, I think, I don't think they've ever lost to the Blackhawks. We were talking about this before when they were playing in Chicago. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're still undefeated against the Hawks. That game went to a shootout, though, so it was a, it was a good game. Um, yeah, I think that was actually the first close game those two teams have ever played. Yeah. The, Vegas has really taken it to the Hawks. And that was the game, actually, where the Vegas scored with about like a minute left in the game to tie it. That the Blackhawks almost got a one nothing victory, but anyway, then they move on from Vegas and they go, oh boy, to Nashville again. Another Saturday night game in Nashville at 7 p.m. Central Time. And, well, I don't think we need to go into too much detail of what happened the last time they were in Nashville. It was very ugly. And hopefully they show a little bit more life in this uh, this game. Um, I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that, but I hope they have some kind of, you know, maybe they get motivated after their last performance in Nashville. Yeah, you'd like, you would hope that they would uh, respond in a meaningful fashion. And, you know, given that this is, you know, a division game, which is going to play a huge role coming up, you know, trying to dig themselves out of this hole that they've, you know, created um, over the first, you know, first few weeks of the season here. Um, winning division games is going to be a huge part of that. And Nashville's tough. I mean, Nashville and St. Louis have, well, and Colorado, well, and Colorado's healthy anyway. Colorado's really struggling with injuries right now. But those are three big, strong, fast teams. And, you know, uh, on a game-to-game basis, the Hawks don't match up well with them. But they're going to need to figure out a way to steal some points from those three. And if they don't f- figure out a way to do it, um, you know, that's probably going to bury the Hawks' chances. So that, that, to me, that's kind of the key for the season. Yep. And then, of course, again, this is another where they play Saturday on the road and Sunday at home. This is getting to be a pattern this season. Uh, but they tur- quick turnaround. And Sunday at, of course, 6 p.m. Central, because it's Sunday, they play the Buffalo Sabres who I believe started out incredibly well, but have kind of tailed off with late. So, But they started out very well this year. Yeah, and they're another, you know, skilled team, um, good top six. You know, we get to see Yoki Haru, see where he's at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're starting to figure it out in Buffalo, but, you know, I, I think they're real, the real fast start that they got off to is probably a little bit of... Uh, we're seeing a little bit of a, a market correction here. I, I think they'll be battling for a playoff spot, but I don't, I don't expect them to be among the top contenders in the East. Yep, and then they finish the week of games Tuesday night at home against the Carolina Hurricanes, who, again, another team that pretty much wiped the Hawks out when they played them uh, about a couple weeks ago in, in Carolina. So I, fans are familiar with their work, and that game is at... Uh, 7.30 Central Time. So these are four teams that are, if not 
as if not better than the Hawks, at least as good. And I would say all four are better than the Hawks. So this is a tough stretch of games. Yep, got to steal some points. And you'd like to see it, you know, in these first two games with, you know, the Western Conference teams. You'd like to, you could get, you know, a regulation win against either of those, especially Nashville. It would be big. You'd like to see them limit the three-point games, you know, against your conference opponents. If you end up going to overtime or, you know, whatever against Buffalo or Carolina, it's, it's not nearly as big of a deal. Yep, so I uh, feel a little bit better about this team than I did the last time we recorded this, but we'll see this week and see how it goes. But um, until our next episode, I'm at STH85 on Twitter, Michael. MJ underscore Ernst. And we will, of course, you can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple uh, podcast app or whatever they call it now. It used to be iTunes, but... And until our next episode, uh, go Hawks.